You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, um, we're going to be rooting through the Packernet Facebook group for some questions, comments, concerns. I apologize for the late start today, but I slept in. Slept in till 9, which for me is about 12 hours of sleep, so I woke up feeling horrible. You know, no coffee for that long, headache, dizzy, sick. It's pretty serious when I sleep in, so that's why I don't do it very often. And I did not intend to do it. But anyways, beyond that, I thought it would be a good idea to hit up some garage sales in 90 degree weather. Because why not? But um, I'm back, I'm cooled off, got a little, my, my second run at coffee, hydrated, feeling good, man. So uh, we're going to hit some stuff. I don't know exactly how long this is going to take. Uh, to be honest, I contemplated just not doing it and doing it tomorrow because I still have a lot to do. But um, we're, we're going to hit it. But before we take our little break ski, be sure to check the link in the description. You can find yourself a sweet. I'm actually wearing it today because I wanted to go hit the garage sales in my Packernet shirt. So I'm wearing this unbelievably comfortable Packernet shirt. Uh, you can find that link in the description. Click the link, find the one that says merchandise. Pretty self-explanatory. Beyond that, make sure you get into the Packernet Facebook group. There's a Patreon, PayPal, and Venmo if you want to help support me. That would be very, very greatly appreciated. I know I have commercials on here, but full disclosure, they pay almost nothing. And um, compared to the amount of work I'm making, minimum wage would be awesome for me if I could be up to minimum wage. But I'm not, but that's okay. I like doing it. But anyways, if you did want to support, Patreon, PayPal, and Venmo are there. Uh, There is a link for Pro Football Focus. It's 10% off. I know you probably want to at least wait to see if you're going to get the giveaway, which is coming. As I said, I want to wait till either the 1st or the 4th. I don't really know. haven't really thought about it until I do the podcast, and it's like, oh, yeah, i got to do that thing. But I have gathered up the names, so I'm just trying to think about how I want to go about doing it. I'll probably just do it on the podcast, just say the name. I always get all dramatic about it, like, I should do a live video, and I pull it out of the Packer cheese hat, and it'd be kind of cool, but it's dumb. I'll just say the name. Otherwise, NFLBigBoard.com, be sure to check that out. Um... 160-some prospects for the 2020 draft. Uh, Got everything, including a handful of uh, summer scouting grades. Thank you to Mr. Mark Jarvis, who I I should see if I can get him on the podcast, man. Get him to talk about our guys. He's super busy. The guy grinds about as hard as anybody else, but um, I'm whatever. I'm getting used to bugging people, whatever. He can tell me to leave him alone whenever he wants. Do what I gotta do. But anyways, let's take our break, and uh, we'll come back and start uh, answering a few questions. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I actually want to start off, I was thinking about one of the questions, and I, I realized they overlap quite a bit. So I want to kind of look at Two questions at once, as weird as that might sound. One of them was a voicemail from Andy, and another was a question in the Facebook group from Matt, not necessarily directed at me, but again, I don't care. They're all for me as far as I'm concerned. But Andy didn't necessarily have a, um, a question as much as an observation, but it was in 2010, which is the year the Packers won the Super Bowl, the Packers defense held teams to single-digit points in six out of 16 games. That's number one. Number two, this is from Matt in the Facebook group. Why didn't the Packers bring in a veteran quarterback? Our current number two quarterback has started 15 games, hasn't won one game. 11 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. If Rodgers gets hurt and can't play three to four games, it'll be a lost season. Thoughts? Actually, that was directed to me, so sweet. I didn't just steal that one. Sounds like these two don't really go together, but I I was kind of just pondering them as I was going to get my coffee and kind of settle down, cool off. And I realized that it's kind of a similar answer to both questions. One wasn't a question, but whatever. I've already kind of highlighted in the past the two most important things if you want to win a Super Bowl. Number one, quarterback. Number two, defense, right? Good quarterbacks and good defenses are basically 100% certainty. The one that wins a Super Bowl is going to have that. The only exceptions to those are teams in which kind of toward the end of the year you you had one of them. Now you look at the, um, the Ravens, for example. Of course, the Ravens had a good defense, but it was... Maybe not quite as much up until Ray Lewis said he was going to retire and then it was in the elite defense. But the Giants, when they won the Super Bowl, that was kind of an outlier. But even then, their defense kind of stepped up and, and Eli Manning suddenly was a pretty good quarterback. But whatever, regardless of a couple anomalies, without exception, you're going to find either a really good defense or a good quarterback or both. And the weird kind of thing that I started to come to as I thought about these two things together having a good defense, as well as the thought of why don't we bring in a veteran quarterback, is the idea that what really matters, beyond even what I've said before about quarterback defense, is the fact that, as cliche as it might sound, football is a game of of adversity, not diversity, although maybe that's kind of irrelevant. Football is a game of adversity. So, for example, one thing the Packers have been consistently good at over the years, with the exception of the last couple years, is being able to beat dominant offenses. It doesn't matter how good your offense is. Aaron Rodgers has the ability to outpace you, outplay you. You put up 30 points, we put up 35. You put up 40, we put up 42. Not to say we do that every time, but I was more worried about good defenses than good offenses because we had that ability, as long as Aaron Rodgers was healthy, 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 whatever, to overcome 
dominant offenses, or even just bad teams that had a really good good day on offense because our defense fell apart, whatever, that is a form of adversity that the Packers have always been very good at because Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers just were just in sync. Defense is a different kind of adversity. This is where the Packers usually lose. When you get into the playoffs with a very good offense, and for whatever reason, the offense can't quite keep up. Not necessarily talking about the Atlanta game because the offense was doing great, but just talking about what happens when the other team just is going out of their minds. Specifically, say that the other team's defense is shutting down the Packers' offense. That is a form of adversity. What do you do about that? What you need is a defense that can step up and say, we'll take it from here. You can't put up 30 points. You can only put up 21. That's fine. We'll keep them to 18. That's a kind of adversity the Packers have struggled with. So when I look at um, when I look at Andy's observation, it makes me think about the current roster that we have. And, and the really cool thing about it, and I keep coming back to the fact that it it sounds like I'm being a homer and like, oh, it's so simple to just turn this defense around. But at the same time, I'm not asking much. Here's the thing: if Amos, Zadarius, Preston, Gary, and Savage can meet expectations, this defense is going to be transformed. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but what am I really asking for? I'm asking for three free agents who are relatively high-priced free agents, and I'm just asking them to play as well as they already have been shown to play in the NFL after our defensive coordinator, head coach, GM, everybody's already looked at them. They've already looked at them. They've already vetted them. They've already shown that they can do it in the NFL. I'm just asking them to play up to the standard that they played last year. And beyond that, the only two people I asked for production from were first-round draft picks. I didn't say a single thing about Elton Jenkins, Kadar Holman, anybody. First-round draft picks and free agents radically transforms our defense and gets us to a point where maybe we don't have a top-five defense that carries this team, but we have a defense that can man up to adversity, a defense that can say when the offense isn't quite clicking, when we go up against, you know, uh, all the Bears week one, and let's say the Bears are, are really kind of putting screws to our offense. The offense isn't quite in sync 100% quite yet. We were able to squeeze out a couple points similar to what they did to us in week one of last year when they came out with all these crazy trick plays and they were able to eke out a touchdown here and a field goal here or whatever. But they start to, to tighten down on our offense. We need a defense that can face that form of adversity and say, you know what, we can hold off Trubisky and and whoever else they have going here that, you know, basically not very much, but it's a form of adversity. Now, that brings us to the next question, which I think, so Andy, thank you very much. That is a fantastic observation because it's true. You have to have that. And as I've said a thousand times, you can talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Rams and all this stuff. These teams are going to be great and dominant, and they're going to lose maybe one game in the regular season because their offense is so good. But until they can get defenses that are in the top 10 range, they're just not really going to make it in the playoffs. They're going to continue to get knocked out until they can figure that out. Packers are included in that list, although we still also have to work on our offense. But anyways, that brings me to what Matt had to say about the backup quarterback. And I actually think that's a really good question. And I've kind of brushed it off in the past because it's like, well, you know, backup quarterback, whatever. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, then, you know, it's, it's just over. But I don't think that's really an acceptable answer. Because another form of adversity that I have never addressed that is obviously much more important, even though I just did a huge podcast about how we're not that hurt that often, the fact of the matter is every team, every year, has to face injury adversity. It's going to come. And the fact of the matter is we look at things like offensive line, defensive line, you look at all these different positions, we always talk about depth, 
but yet the most important position on any football team, which is quarterback, the Packers don't seem to address that position. Obviously, we have the best quarterback in the NFL. That's not my point. The point is, I don't know that it's necessarily acceptable to say, if we lose Aaron Rodgers, it's over. I know the salary cap isn't all that great, but I I tend to think there are enough good enough quarterbacks that if if we're just talking about Aaron Rodgers out for one, two, three games, there's enough quarterbacks out there that can get us one or two wins. Because again, what are we talking about? We're talking about adversity and everybody else stepping up. Can Can this quarterback with this head coach, with this offensive mind, with this defense, can these guys all step up to say, you know what, for three weeks we're going to carry the water so that Aaron Rodgers can rest and recover, and we're going to come back with two wins out of three and continue on our trek to get into the playoffs. And I I don't mean to completely count out Kaiser, and maybe that's what the Packers are trying to do, but I, I think it's a little ridiculous to look at the situation and say, well, Kaiser probably can't win us a single game in the regular season, but if he can kind of take a step you know, maybe, you know, start playing these hypothetical games where maybe if he becomes this great quarterback, then we don't have to worry about it anymore, and it's no big deal that we're not addressing it. So I don't I don't really want to get too far into it because at some point you just get to a point where it's like, you know what, there just isn't good value out there, which is another part of this. It's one thing to say, is there anybody out there that can win us two out of three games? It's another thing to say, are they worth the money they're asking? And I, you know, just, just generally perusing right now, there's really nobody I can see that would be worth it be honest, any amount of money. Uh, you look at guys like, you know, Matt Castle, Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez. I don't know, man. It, because the problem is, if you lose with Kaiser, I don't know. If you pay money for a guy like Mark Sanchez and he comes out and he plays terribly like you would expect, you look a lot dumber, I think, in my opinion, than going out and getting a guy like Kaiser, who is a second-round pick, a young, talented, um, developmental prospect. Because at least you can call him a young, talented, developmental prospect. You know what you're getting with Mark Sanchez. But I do think going forward, it kind of begs the question of how much do you put into a backup quarterback spot? How much do you care about or how... how... I, I just don't think it's really a tenable thing to say if our quarterback goes out, our season is over. And with that, I, I, I tend to think at the very least taking stabs at the quarterback position in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, just just to get a steady flow of guys coming in. And if you end up just doing that whole thing like the Packers have done for years where you bring them in, you develop them, you see if you can flip them for some, some draft capital, that's fine. But at the same time, also see if we can try to have a quality backup. Again, I'm not looking for Aaron Rodgers. I'm looking for Matt Flynn. I'm looking for a guy that can come in and produce when the chips are down, when Aaron Rodgers is going to be out for a half a year, but he's going to be back for the playoffs, can we just get into the playoffs? All right, if we won already seven games, regard, and I don't know how many games are left, it's a hypothetical, but can, can we win three more with this guy? You know, say we're 7-1 and one right now and, and Aaron Rodgers goes out. Nightmare scenario. We've got eight more games. Can you, can you give me three or four? Granted, Kaiser might be able to squeeze out three in that many games, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, the, the Eagles have won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Not that it needs to be that way, but again, it, it's just sort of this idea that a, a good football team is a team that can handle any sort of, or any form of adversity, and that, that's, in a sense, what the Patriots are very good at. I hate to keep going back to them, but it just is. No matter what the adversity is, the Patriots always have an answer. When somebody gets hurt, we've got somebody else. We can compensate for it in other ways. 
And, you know, even Brady. I know Brady wasn't out when they won the Super Bowl, but you look at the beginning of the year. They they went out. He gets hurt or whatever the situation was. Garoppolo comes in. He tears it up. Well, Garoppolo's amazing. Okay, well, then Garoppolo got hurt, and their third-string quarterback comes in and wins. It's just a team that does not have excuses. They overcome adversity, and that's what makes them such a good team. Again, I've said it a thousand times. You look at their roster. It's a good roster, but I don't think it's ever been the best in the NFL. They don't ever have the best wide receivers. They never have the number one defense. I don't know if they very often even have a top five. They're pretty consistently top ten, but they they don't have as good a defense as other teams. They don't even have, you know, I don't know, whatever. Patriots fans don't listen to this anyways, so they don't have, in my opinion, the best quarterback. I think Drew Brees was a better quarterback last year. I think Aaron Rodgers has been a better quarterback several years. I mean, Tom Brady is always probably top five, but I don't know if he's ever... Bottom line is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we don't have the best weapons, the best defense, the best quarterback, the best offensive line. We have everybody that's good enough, and we have a coach that says, I don't care what the adversity is. They have a good offense. We're going to figure out a way to stop their offense. They have a great defense. We're going to find a way to overcome their defense. We have injuries. We overcome the injuries. It's just about overcoming adversity. The Packers have to be that team. And I I think finding a quality number two. And and listen, Kaiser might have some success in this new offense. There's a slight bit of overlap uh, between LaFleur and Kaiser. So maybe they kind of speak the same language to some degree. Probably not, but maybe. But I think that needs to be addressed. And if it's not, then we need to have a serious conversation about possibly, you know, especially next year with such talented quarterbacks, maybe a a potential first-round guy, similar to Kaiser, I guess, in a way, falls into the second round, do you take a swipe at him? You know, if, if the Packers end up drafting at like 21, which means we end up drafting at, what, like 43? If a, you know, late first-round talent falls to 43, do you take a swing at him? I know generally Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing in every single game, so it's it's painful to invest too much into a quarterback. That's just going to be sitting. Even, you know, we talk about defensive line depth, but they rotate. You don't rotate your quarterbacks. But I, I still think... Something needs to be done to address that position, at least maybe a little bit better than we have been. You know, you look at a lot of other teams, they have quarterbacks that are just good enough. Look what the Bears did with Trubisky, right? Can we at least get a guy that's Trubisky, that can that can play within a system? And you know what? Now that I'm on this topic here, Lafleur actually might make it better for a lot of quarterbacks, including Kaiser. But if not Kaiser, to be able to build a system that says, listen, I don't need you to be super cerebral. I mean, the more the better. I just need you to do what you're told. And if you can come in and just have poise in the pocket, have, you know, you know, make good enough decisions, but basically just do what you're told and make accurate throws at accurate times when you're told to do it, you can succeed. And we can dial back the offense a little bit and make maybe kind of do a little bit more closer to the line of scrimmage, run the ball a little bit more, give you one or two. As I'm saying it out loud, Kaiser kind of fits the offense kind of perfectly. I mean, not the most accurate guy in the world, but if you think about it, he's got a cannon for an arm. So you got a guy that basically just dinks and dunks his way down the field to wide open receivers because, you know, it's schemed open. So you got a, a tight end slipping out the backside. He's open. You dump it off. You run a screen to the other way. You run the ball, run the ball, dump it off over here. And then as the offense starts to creep up because they keep killing us up close to the line and Deshaun Kaiser, you know, he's not that good anyways. You got MVS beating a guy by about three yards down the sideline and Kaiser's got a cannon that can launch it down there. He's kind of, kind of ideal for this in a way. Again, you still have to be a, a good quarterback to be able to operate on any offense, but I feel like he has a, a... It's sort of ideal for him to thrive in this sort of an offense, in my opinion. 
So we'll see. It'll be interesting to watch. I don't know how much we're actually going to be able to see because, you know, preseason doesn't matter all that much. But I, I don't know. I think you could maybe kind of tear it up a little bit. Anyways, uh, I'm going to take one more break, and I'm going to come back and answer one more question. We're going to cut it. Probably going to be a little bit early, but uh, should take some time. So we'll take one more break. We'll be right back. So Brandon in the Facebook group asked the question, are we sure Zadarius is better than Preston? And I think it's a good question only, I shouldn't say only, there's several reasons it's a good question. But the fact of the matter is I think all of us, myself included, myself especially, have kind of just assumed that Zadarius is like the top dog and Preston is kind of a just, you know, meh, we'll see what happens. And so I think it's at least fair to kind of look at these two side by side and, and really get an idea of what it, what it is that they bring to the table. So for reference... The first thing is the Packers paid Zadarius a lot more, so the, there's an automatic assumption that he's the guy, because the Packers paid him like he's the guy, and Preston is a guy. And the, the one thing that I've been referencing more is the fact that Zadarius is a better pass rusher. You know, you t- I talked about the percentages. Zadarius Smith had 61 pressures on, what is it, 485 total pass rushing snaps, which is 12.5%, 12.6, which is pretty solid, right? 13-ish is... is uh, Kenny Clark territory. It's uh, actually, I think it's beyond Kenny Clark. That's uh, Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels, is, I think, is 13%. Preston Smith had 53 total pressures on 468, similar amount of pass rushing snaps, 11.3%, which is still good. Anything above 10 is 10 is sort of like the baseline. If you're below 10, it's not good. Above 10, pretty good. You get into 11, it's it's you're feeling, I don't know, solid, I guess. So Preston's 11. Kenny Clark and Zadarius are in the 12 range. Mike Daniels is 13 range. And then Aaron Donald is like 15-ish, just to give you some some ref, frame of reference. But as far as sacks, uh, PFF numbers, and again, I kind of like these numbers because they don't count half sacks. It's a matter of if you got there, not just because somebody grabbed them, but if you got there, then you got there. And we're not going to cut your sack in half just because somebody else also got there. But Zadarius had 10 sacks. Preston Smith, they gave him six sacks. Preston, however, had uh, four more hurries than Zedarius did. So they're both very talented. Now, to take this in sort of the other direction, Preston Smith actually had a better overall pro football focus grade than Zedarius did. I think Zedarius is a better... Maybe one way to put this is Zedarius is a better pass rusher. Preston is an all-around better player. Like, if, if you didn't weight pass rushing, if you looked at coverage, pass rush, tackling, run defense all of it as equally as important, Preston would be better. He's a better run defender. And as far as coverage goes, he's actually, I looked this up, he's actually pretty solid. He was graded, depending on how many snaps you want to put this at, but as the 13th best coverage um, edge rusher uh, tied with Miles Garrett in all of football. He's very, very good at it. So having a guy that's that's really solid against the run as well as really good against the pass and a guy that has at least the ability to generate pressure, especially a guy now that isn't going to be the number one guy. He's not going to get a single, uh, you know, double team. He's another guy that has a lot of opportunity to thrive. Preston Smith is sort of the Adrian Amos of the group. Um, he, he didn't have a single bad overall grade this year. His lowest graded category was pass rush. He got a grade of 68.4, which is high average, borderline good. Tackling was 69.4, basically good. Run defense, 73.2, which is good. Coverage, 76.2, which is his highest category. Overall grade of 76.9. 53 pressures, 6 sacks, 9 hits, 38 hurries. 2 batted passes, 36 tackles, 27 stops. 
As far as his coverage, he had 12 targets, 10 receptions, 48 yards. Um, 11 yards was the longest, and he had a pick, a total passer rating of 48.6. I mean, everything is just, it's pretty solid. The only thing that somewhat seems negative is the uh, reception to target percentage, which is 83%, 10 out of 12. But also, if you just look at his games, he didn't really have bad games. This is also true as a Darius, but it's much more true with Preston. As far as, again, 60 is exactly average. He only had five games below 60. Not one of them was below 50. His worst game of the entire year was against Green Bay because he's going up against David Bakhtiari. Second worst game against Philly. They also have a good left tackle. Atlanta, great left tackle. So, you know, you go up against a number one elite tackle, he's going to have a rough day. But he only had two average games. He had one, two, three, four, five, six good games. One, two, three, four very good games, one of which was basically elite, 89.7 against Houston, which basically he's very tackle dependent. <laughs> the worse the guy is, the better he's going to be. Because, which makes sense, he's consistent. He's not like Kyler Fackrell where he's just going to blow up one day out of nowhere. Right? If, he's got a, if it's a bad tackle, he's going to do what he always does. He's going to win. If he goes up against a David Bakhtiari type, he's probably going to struggle. Bottom line is you know what you're going to get from Preston, and that's a good thing because all I want from Preston is to be this good again. I don't expect him to take another step. You don't need to take another step. Just be the same guy. Zadarius was actually pretty similar as far as his consistency. Now, he did have one grade that was below 60, his overall grade, which is run defense, 57.6. Not as good of a run defender as Preston. However, let's not forget, first of all, he's going to be better than Clay. He's going to be better than than Nick Perry. But we also have Rashawn Gary. That's the kind of guy that's going to go in and blow up the run the run game. And we have Kenny Clark and Preston and Mike Daniels. You know, we can afford to have a guy that's maybe not the best in that category. And his coverage grade is average, whatever. Tackling grade 74.3, pass rush 78.7. The guy's solid. Beyond that, again, consistency. So he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. He had six games below 60, which isn't great, right? We're talking pretty, getting pretty close to about half of his games, but they're all rated about 60. He didn't have any below 50, so no real bad games. These are all below average games. One of them was 59.7. That's basically average. If we call that average, he's got five below average. One, two, three, four, five average games. One, two, three, four four-ish good games and one, two, three very good games. Again, consistent. It maybe doesn't sound that good, but let me, you know, I can go show you some other players that the Packers have where it's like real good game, real garbage game, right? We, we Just look at Jair Alexander. And I don't say this to be mean to Jair. The point is, you know you trust Jair. You're not worried about him. Jair had one game against the Jets, 44.9. His game against Chicago, 39.1. Now, the scariest part of that is it's the last two games of the season, weeks 15 and 16. But the bottom line is, again, we're not worried about him, even though he had some volatility. He had some pretty bad games. Preston and Zadarius didn't have one game as bad as Jair against the Jets, not one game as, as bad as Jair against Chicago. I know he's a rookie. It's just an example. Point is, you probably don't even remember him playing poorly in those games. And that's my point. We don't have to worry about Preston and Zadarius necessarily completely just messing up the bed, if you know what I mean. So no, to be honest, I, I don't know. And, and really, if Preston continued to group, because remember, Preston and Zadarius were both kind of, you know, so-so up until last last year, yeah. So depending on the trajectory, if, if Zadarius kind of levels off and Preston takes one more step, Preston is our guy, like legitimately our guy. We're talking about a guy that's up in that, 
top 15-ish in the NFL pass rusher type guys, right? He becomes like a 13.5% pressure guy. He becomes a 10-sack guy. He's a, a drop-and-cover guy. He can do absolutely everything. And then we got Zedarius and, Pre- and, and uh, Gary that are just kind of picking up the slack. So, no, to answer the question directly, we don't know. Um, it's assumed. The Packers believe he's going to be better. So I, that, to me, is sort of the biggest indication, more so than anything. Uh, they have a lot of resources to assess these kinds of things, and they were willing to pay Zedarius what they were willing to pay him. So uh, we'll see. But anyways, I thought that was a good question. But that's it. I'm going to leave it at that. It's going to be a little bit short, but whatever. Again, i got a lot of stuff to do. So you folks, enjoy your Saturday. I'll be back uh, hopefully bright and early tomorrow, and I'll talk to you then. Have a good one. Bye-bye.